0: be very intimidating so i go in there and i'm like face to face with i'm like the size of a four-year-old i'm not kidding (laughs) so (laughs) and i can talk to them face to face and you know they have usually they shock me because they have like a few questions and they're over it whereas adults want to ask question after question after question really so why are you like that and i say well you know how you have red hair and you have glasses well i'm short and i I'm a little person and
1: God wanted me to be little and they're like, okay, let's go play Barbie. Welcome to Meredith for real, the curious introvert. That's me. I'm Meredith and I collect people for real. You never know who I'm going to meet next. So come listen as I put my curiosity to good use. Every week I'll introduce you to someone new and we'll talk about ways to stay curious and grow big thanks to our location sponsor Delta Life Fitness in Pace Florida the 30 minute women's group fitness plan you can actually stick with Her small town Nebraska doctors said quote she wouldn't amount to much due to her dwarfism she grew up not liking kids because of being bullied in school so now she says god has a sense of humor because not only does she have her master's degree in rehabilitation psychology But she has spent the last decade decade helping, wait for it, kids. (laughs) Today she's going to share how her career evolved to becoming the director of the foster care program and becoming a foster parent herself, as well as her unique experience as a little person in the field. Stay to the end where she shares tips on being a good foster parent. Child advocate, faith leaper, cat mom and foster mom, Melissa Misogadis-Wickstrom. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So you you told me um, off mic that you started your career in child protective services, and that's where you first learned about what foster care really was, uh, which obviously considering how you grew up not liking kids because of being bullied and all of the annoying questions that they ask you, what <laughs> what motivated you to even choose that career path?
0: Well... It's a long story, but, um, I don't want to say that I didn't like kids, but I never saw myself working with kids. Like I can talk, you know, I I like little kids, I can tolerate you, but especially if they were in my own family, but it just wasn't something that I enjoyed, Um, and, and mainly because I have dwarfism, I'm three foot eight and I use crutches. So I stand out like a sore thumb. And as we all know, kids have no filters at all, ever. And so when I was in my early 20s, um, I just was like, oh, my gosh. You know, kids drive me nuts, they, you know, ask those questions. And I, I was not secure in my, in my dwarfism and being a female with dwarfism when I was in my early 20s. Like, I just, you know, when, when kids would come around, it would, like, shove it in my face, like, you're different. You're different. And that's all I could think about. And so I just wasn't secure in who I was at that time. So I remember I did a program at a church um, the first three years out of high school and there was a preschool at the church and I would hear those little voices coming down the hall and I was like, nope, I'm going in the other direction. I don't want to deal with questions today because it would all be like, look at her. Why does she look like that? Why does she walk like that? You know, and all those things. So I just was like, ugh, kids me nuts. And same thing like in the grocery store, if I would see a group of little kids or, you know, in, in the aisle, <laughs> I would go the other direction and, you know, that sounds terrible too to say that, like mm-hmm. and admit it, but a fact that, you know, I wasn't secure. I didn't want to answer the questions. Like there were just days, you know, I'm like, I, I don't want to do this today. So um that was in my early twenties and, you know, life evolves and I did some other ministry programs in California and, you know, dealt with neighborhood kids and I started like, okay, you know, I'm starting to become more of a secure person and I can handle, you know, answering the questions. So it was just definitely an evolution of being accepting of myself and my differences and being secure enough to, you know, answer kiddos questions. And, and again, that took time. And so long story short, I went to college, grad school. I got my master's degree in rehabilitation psychology. And then, and that was in Wisconsin. And then I moved back to Nebraska and I was like, well, now I need to find a real job. You know, I'm in my mid to late twenties at that time. And so I applied for a position that was kind of vague. It was like, if you like working with families and want to help coordinate services to help families, you know, apply here, who doesn't want to help? people? Like, So I applied. (laughs) And I'll never forget, this was the flip phone era, so we didn't have smartphones yet, and I'm sitting in training, listening to our trainer, and they kept talking about, oh, the police will be there, you know, and you may have to, you know, transport these kids, and I'm like, why? what what is happening? Like, why would the police be involved in this? And then I realized, like, oh, wait, this is, like, child protective services and assisting, you know, caseworkers in removing kids, so I'm like, hmm you know, what am I, what am I doing? What am I getting myself into? And this was 2009. So it was what? 11. Can I do math 11 years ago? I can't do math. <laughs> right. um, anyway, so I text my mom on my little flip phone as fast as I could. I was like, mom, I think this is child protective services. And of course my mom's like, Oh, I think you're too vulnerable to do that. You're too little. You're going to get hurt. People are, could hurt you. And, My dad had the same feelings, like, is this a good idea? i was like, no, I'm going to try it. Like, you know, I'm not one to back down. Like, I want to try all the things, even if it sounds crazy, because I'm a dwarf with crutches, that I didn't care. So I tried it, and 11 years later, I'm, I'm, you know, I started out as a caseworker and a service coordinator, and now I have the privilege of being a director for foster care services out here in western Nebraska. So, and again, I did not like kids. Like I could tolerate them in small doses. And so it's just funny. I feel, um, I, I'm a Christian and I have, you know, my my beliefs and I don't go to church every Sunday. So, you know, judge me, that's okay. But looking back in hindsight, you know, of all the things I've done and where I'm at now, I can kind of see like God moving me towards where I needed to be and how he took what was a very much a weakness in me and made it my strength. And I, if you would have told me, you know, 11 years ago, yeah, you'll love working with kids and going to homes and meeting with them, and you'll actually be a foster parent yourself. I would have been like, yeah, right. Like, no way, there's no way. But that's essentially what happened is I saw, you know, I did the work. I was a caseworker. I was promoted to supervisor. I've, I've done all the roles in um, child welfare except, like, you know, be an attorney, I guess, or a judge, um, I've been visitation worker, family support worker, foster care specialist, and now, you know, I've settled as foster care director, and um, I get to still work with the kiddos and the families one-on-one. I train foster parents now to learn the skills that you need to have when working with this population, because it's not like working, like, with your own kiddos. Like, yes, there are aspects to it, but there's trauma components that we have to remember, and so I just a really loving life and loving how God has used what I did not like and avoided as basically the cornerstone of my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would not have been open to that and, you know, listened to my gut and heart like you're doing the right thing. I wouldn't be where I'm at at all. Who knows where I'd be.
1: Do you think the kids were more receptive to you because of your size or? Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I, you know, so my first removal was awful and kids were screaming and crying and mom's playing tug of war with the law enforcement over her kids. And it it was really traumatic. I mean, for even me as a brand new worker and, you know, the kids obviously, but, um, I, I could come in there as someone their size and not this scary adult, not that you tell people are scary, but to a kid with this adult towering over them, um, It can be very intimidating. So I go in there and I'm like face-to-face. with. I'm like the size of a four-year-old. I'm not kidding. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I can talk to them face-to-face and, you know, they have, usually they shock me because they have like a few questions and they're over it. Whereas adults want to ask question after question after question. Really? So why are you like that? And I say, well, you know how you have red hair and you have glasses? Well, I'm short and I'm a little person and God wanted me to be little. And they're like, okay, let's go play Barbie's. I'm like, oh, I thought that was going to be more painful than it was. So kids kids um, relay to me in whatever little way they can in their minds. It's really cute. I, I have a book of stuff kids have said to me that just cracked me up. I had a little boy look me up and down. I think he was seven. And he goes, did you forget to take your calcium? And I was like, yeah, I sure did. Better drink your milk. And he kind of like side-eyed me like, is he serious? Um, kids just crack me up with the stuff like the way their little minds work um it's pretty amazing
1: that's so adorable i love how quickly um kids accept the reality of whatever is in front of them you know they're so resilient to that Mm -hmm. and they they're like okay well that's that's the truth, and that's what we're working with, so let's go play Barbies. That's fantastic. What do, yep. <laughs> what do people misunderstand about little people?
0: Um, that we all know each other. Even, <laughs> oh, a lot of really? us do. Yeah. yeah, a lot of us do, but I mean, I'll, I'll go places, and someone will be like, yeah, I knew this person in California or New Hampshire in a Walmart. Do you know them? And I'm like, No probably not um so the one that we all know each other too that i guess there's just you know the midget is acceptable i guess there's some little people that are okay with that term but the majority of us are not it's very old school like archaic and very yeah. derogatory so you know we're we're not okay being called midgets um, most of us are just living our daily life like you know, doing our thing. A lot of my friends are very educated and in very amazing jobs um, with families. And we just want to live our lives. And, you know, it'd be nice to go to Walmart and not have every head turn, but that's never going to happen. If it was like because I was so hot and that's why heads turn, awesome. But I'm pretty sure because people have never seen, in Western Nebraska, you know, they've never seen a little person. I joke that I'm like the most diverse thing
1: um, yeah. When you told me you moved from Omaha to rural Nebraska, I was like, I'm sorry, what? You did what? What's so interesting about the um, scope of your career that you listed is it's, like you said, in almost every aspect of the this part of Health and Human Services, minus the attorney. So you've lived and worked in big cities, both in Nebraska, in Omaha, mm-hmm. and Um, you know, other places too, and now you're doing this job in tiny little Nebraska. So (laughs) what are the foster care needs of a big city compared to a rural city or rural town?
0: Um, I think that, like, for me in this field, there's differences. Did you ask what differences there are from city to city? Yeah, so there's just a huge lack of resources, huge lack of resources. So in Omaha you know, oh, I needed a therapist, let me pick from a hundred or, you know, we need an agency, agency to supervise with this. There's several agencies. So you, I moved out here and I was like, what? Like there's nothing out here. And so people warned me, like, if you do this work out here, it's going to look a lot different. It's a lot different. It is. And, and, um, not that it's a bad thing. We just, you know, we need people who are willing to move back to small towns and provide services, everything from therapy to foster care to, um, you know, parenting stuff, all those types of things.
1: And there's a lot of different types of foster parents, right? Like, um, I've, I only know a handful of foster parents, and I don't know them well. Um, but I do remember one in Nebraska, actually. She was someone that went to church with us, and she was um, a career woman. She... Um, had a pretty prestigious job. Don't remember what it was. And when she was looking into being a foster parent, she s- had a very specific set of criteria that she was um, okay with. She also lived in a very big, beautiful home, and had and they were they had money. And none of those things were what I thought a foster parent was. So mm-hmm. tell me, like, if someone's thinking about maybe foster parenting is right for me, what are the options? Because it's not all or nothing, right?
0: Right. I mean, it's a lot of people have misconceptions that, oh, I'm going to get a call from the state and have to take any kid that they call me about or any child that they call me about where that is not true. You know, we want to set the family up for success and not failure. Failure would be like a disruption where the child has to change homes because the foster parent can't handle the child. So, you know, at least in Nebraska, so... Side note, I'm speaking for Nebraska, but it, I think there are some similarities in other states. You get to pick the characteristics you're comfortable with. You get to pick the gender. You get to pick the age group that you're comfortable with. And um, whether you will accept like, you know, one child or a sibling strip. You know, we don't want to have to uh, split siblings up if possible. They need to stay together. So those, there's just lots of different, you know, choices that you have. And then... You know, if let's say you do the licensing process and all of that, I would call you, you know, with what child is presenting and, you know, describe them to you as a foster parent. And then you can decide, oh, yeah, you know, I'm willing to take this child in my home or no, their needs sound a little more um, challenging than what I would be able to handle. So you do have that voice and choice as a foster parent when accepting kids into your home. And then there's, you know, there's therapeutic foster care which is like a higher level of foster care of kids with higher level of needs. Again, that looks different from state to state. Um, We also have people that do respite. So maybe foster care is too much of a commitment. So they're like, you know, I'm willing to be a support to the foster homes and maybe I need a break or I have to have surgery or something. So I need my foster child to have somewhere safe to stay. That's what a respite provider would do. Training is the same. All the requirements are the same. It's just,
1: um you're not like a fully licensed oh wow i never even heard of that hey everyone it's time to take a quick minute and show gratitude to our sponsors who make this show possible and give you some special offers Delta Life is Ladies Group Fitness in Pace, Florida, and I've been a member since 2016. I get bored super easy, and I am great at talking myself out of exercise, like expert level 5000. So having a class to show up that's different every time has been winner, winner, chicken dinner for me. And with it just being 30 minutes, there's really no reason not to go. Plus, they do fun social stuff like Christmas pajama parties, little black dress events, and challenges. You can get your first class free to try it out. You can even come with me. There's no annual contract, it's all fitness levels, free childcare. Plus, if you mention the Meredith for Real podcast on your first visit, you'll get a free five pack of classes so you can really see if you like it. Check them out at (laughs) deltalifefitness.com. That's that's like you're a foster auntie, like
0: on call, kind of like, yeah. hey, I need, I have an emergency. Can you please watch my kiddo? And the thing is, we need respite providers in the same ho- in the same town mm-hmm. that the foster parent was. Otherwise, if I have a kiddo and the fo- the respite is thirty minutes away, well, that's going to create a barrier to getting the child to school every day. So. You know, respite providers and foster care are huge needs, and I can guarantee it's not just Nebraska, the whole United States. We need these individuals who are willing to step
1: up. And there's another, is another category foster to adopt, or is that just like, that's not a category, that's just um, an option?
0: Yeah, that's another characteristic. So when my husband and I signed up for foster care, we... Don't want to adopt unless God has other plans because that happens all the time in my life for whatever reason. <laughs> so I'm afraid to say anything because then it's going to change. But right now we just want to provide foster care and support reunification with the biological parent. And so we're we're very we're strong proponents of building the relationship with the biological family to help support the child in this transition. And and that makes things. Oh, it goes so much smoother, both for you as a foster parent and for the, the child.
1: What are some common, or maybe not common, but what, myths that you've heard that are totally need to be busted about foster parenting but, and foster care? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that, you know, you make money doing it. So it, like it's a big money maker. No, you spend more money than. You know, you get a small stipend to help support the child, but it's not a way to make money. Um, There's, you know, when I was a caseworker, people would say, oh, you just get paid to remove kids. That's not how it works at all. To remove a child from their home, you have to have a lot of evidence to support why it's in the best interest of the child. You know, we don't want kids to be removed. Caseworkers don't go into this field to take people's kids. We go into it because... We want to see safe and healthy children and safe and healthy families. And so sometimes to get to that point, the kids have to be taken out of an unsafe environment and placed in foster care. So again, you know, just that it's a moneymaker and that um case workers and this you know, we're all making big bucks. Yeah, I, I would not choose the skills if I wanted to make big bucks. I would not be a foster parent if I wanted to make big bucks.
1: Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) So not a moneymaker and that you're not as a CPS worker. Well, no, you're not anymore, but CPS workers are not out to rip families from their homes.
0: No, we actually, when I was a worker, if we could keep the family intact and put services in the home without having to remove, that's what we want to do. And that's what the federal government, you know, with some legislation that's happened in the past couple of years is really pushing is Mm. that, uh, families first to act and keeping kids in their home instead of removing them.
1: Yeah. And you said you had some um, tips for being a good foster parent that you wanted to, to share. Yes. Yeah, so
0: I have strong opinions, um, but these are the qualities that I look for when someone says, hey, I want to be a foster parent and I start training with them. Um, I think that you have to be patient. Like you have to be patient. You're taking on kiddos with trauma who've experienced terrible things and throwing them into a brand new environment so you need to be patient with behaviors that may arise you need to be patient with you know the bio parents who are trying to get their lives together and make better choices you have to be patient with the caseworkers and all of the people involved like you're going to have people in and out of your house other professionals who check in with the kiddo who take the kiddo to see their parents because they usually have supervised visits. You have to be patient. You have to be flexible. Someone who is super controlling and rigid is not going to do well. I would say um, unless they recognize that because I can be a very controlling person and I like what I like, you know, how I want it, but not in foster care. I have to put that part of my personality aside. It's hard sometimes, but you don't have control. You know, you, you are there to support the child, but you don't have control over the legal components of the case and you don't, you're not a party to the case. And that's hard for some foster parents for prospective foster parents to hear. And so you have to be, you have to be flexible. And then, I mean, obviously basic things like you have to pass a background check and fingerprinting, um, you go through a, a lot of training, um, because again, we want to set people up for success and not failure. These kiddos need stability and they need structure and they need routine. Um, They need nurturing. You know, uh, when I've seen people that I feel like maybe they're doing it for the wrong reasons, I see a lack of nurturing. Like, okay, kid has a room, he has food, what's the problem? These kids need love. They need you to be hugging them, you know, with their permission. That's something, you know, you always want to ask the kiddo what they're comfortable with because of the abuse they've endured. But, you know, getting in their lives, you know, that you know their favorite video game. I went to a training recently where the presenter said, oh, everybody thinks they're nurturing, but a lot of times people aren't. And nurturing is more than just, you know, providing a place to to live and to eat and hugs. It's, you know, getting in your child's world and knowing this is their favorite video game and this is why. And this is their favorite cartoon character. And this is, you know, what makes them happy. It's really getting to know their child." And not just, I don't like when I see homes that feel like they're just providing room and food.
1: Yeah. Like that's good.
0: not going to, I mean, no. So again, you know, I think anybody can do it, you know, with those criteria that I've set out, you know, patience, flexibility, obviously patch your background. You have to have a big enough home to do it. There's square footage requirements. Um, But I think if you're willing to try to do all those things, I mean, nobody is an expert, no parent is an expert. So, um, I am not a parent. I don't have children. So when my husband and I got our first call after training, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've done this work for at the time, nine years. And now it's getting real and they want me to take a kid. And I was terrified terrified because I, it's one thing to talk about it and something different to get a call at 10 o'clock at night and have to take a little boy. And we did. And it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. You know, he was, he was scared and I was scared, but I not just show it. But the next morning we have animals in our home. And the next morning he jumped out of bed and he's like, Melissa, the kitties all slept with me and now I feel better. and I was like, oh God, We can do this. Okay. We can do this. Yeah, and you know, it was—it's been awesome. And so, the last two years, my husband and I have had five kiddos in and out of our home, um, whether it was for a couple like a day or several months. And so, we never really know what we're gonna get. You know, I feel that we've actually surprised ourselves. Where we, because of my disability, I don't take kiddos that are not independent. Like, I need them to be able to, you know, be potty trained and dress themselves and stuff. But I, you know, I'm thinking we'll take. know seven on up and teenagers scared me a little because again I've done this work so I know what that can look like sometimes and so we've we've surprised ourselves where we've had taken placement of teens and it was amazing you know there were challenges just like with little kids they just looked different and so I was really proud that we've grown even in our foster care journey taking placement of kiddos with characteristics that we didn't think we would in the beginning and now you know, we've kind of realized, oh, we can do this. Well, then let's try this. And I will say placement for teenagers is such a need. Like out here in Nebraska, what happens is we can't find placement for these kids. So they get sent to Omaha. And that is not, that's not fair. Like they, they leave their community because of stuff their parents are having to work on. And I just feel like that's messed up. Like the kids should at least be able to stay in their own community, but because of a lack of, foster parents in, in different communities, the kids get sent out of their yeah, which is a bummer.
1: And that's, that's not something that you even think of, you know, um, all of those things. I'm like, so, um, intrigued into this whole world because it's something that I know nothing about. And you have such a, an amazing, um, width of experience in it. So I'm so glad that you could come and and share all of this today. If somebody wants to learn more about foster parenting, is there an online resource that they can go to that lays everything? Yeah. Out? I mean,
0: there's um, like the their local department of health and human services um, organization usually is the one to make that first contact with because again, it changes from state to state. So they can reach out to them and then find out, Oh, if you want to become a licensed foster parent, you can go through this agency or you can go through that agency, you know? So in Nebraska, it's the NFA or Nebraska Foster and Adoptive Parenting Association does training. I train for my agency. So yesterday I did a training up in Chowdron, Nebraska for three hours and it was awesome. And I love my training days because it's just such thought-provoking conversations we have and I get to be a part of these families for a little bit. Um, So... Yeah, just, I, w- I would definitely start with whatever state's Department of Health and Human Services to find out um, where they can be connected to becoming a foster parent. And Google it. I mean, I would put, you know, if I do nothing about this, I would start with foster parenting in Nebraska. And that will start pulling up the agencies that do it and what the process is. Usually online is a good resource to find out all that basic info.
1: That's really cool, and I'm sure there's some support um, online as well. Maybe Facebook groups where um, potential oh, yeah. foster parents could talk with other foster parents and get some real life examples of what it looks like with particular families. I'm so glad that you came and yeah. to share with this. Thank you so much. Um, is You're there welcome. any other online resources that you want to share, or was was that the main one?
0: That was the main one. I would I would say yeah. Um, I mean, there's, like, adopt us kids, if you're looking for, like, you you want to adopt, um, if you're going to do it after out of foster care, again, you know, there's no guarantees when you get a child placed in your home that they're going to get to be adopted. So I always caution people, you know, as couples dealing with infertility, like, if your heart is set on adopting, um, you have to know that reunification is always what the the first goal is for these kids with their parents. So I don't want anybody to be heartbroken, you know, um, that if they don't get to keep the kiddo. But there, like I said, there's kids that are free for adoption on, like Wendy's Wonderful Kids is the website, like the restaurant Wendy and then AdoptUsKids.org or com. I don't remember exactly. That's another website. And in Nebraska, there's the Nebraska Heart Gallery. Those have all of our Nebraska kiddos that are free for adoption
1: those are good well if you're listening today and you know of someone that um, would really benefit from this information do me a favor share that with them and if you're not already subscribed for episode updates text real r-e-a-l to 66866 thank you so much melissa that's a wrap you did great Woo. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends and leave a review. You can also watch the episodes on YouTube. There's hidden curious caches in each episode and the first two people to find them win a prize. So be sure to get my emails for clues and other insider perks at meredithforreal.com.